Stephen guessed right when he saw my name on the uh, the duty roster. I am going to continue with the lessons on love that we've been going through. Um, this morning, if you've been keeping track and have been able to been he- be here for most of them, uh, as we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians 13, this morning we should be talking about love is, and then rather, a not. Um, so this morning we're talking about love is not boastful, and I'm also going to include in this segment arrogant. Um, when you look through this text beginning in verse 4, we talked about how love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Those last two there, it is does not boast and is not arrogant, I kind of paired together because um, I feel like you almost can't talk about one without talking about the other. And so this morning, that's what we're going to focus on. But look again in this text with us. Um, love is a lot of things. Love isn't some things. But if we continue in verse 5, it says it's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Right? And so if you continue through 1 Corinthians 13, he's going to continue discussing why love is so valuable. And at the end, you get verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And so God himself, working through Paul, as great as faith and hope seem to us, right? Those of us in this room value those things. Love still is kind of the top dog of those three. Um, It's not without love um, that we're even here in this room. And so we understand even just on a surface level that God is pointing us to love. And so if we're going to be like God, really the point of this series has been to be more like God, we have to figure out how to love. If that's God's most important quality, he says, you know, at the top is love and then everything else comes after that. And that's really the thing, if we're going to start someplace, that we should kind of get a grasp on, right? What does it mean to love? And that's really what we've been doing through these lessons, is trying to understand better about love and its qualities. And so this morning, love does not boast and is not arrogant. And that's the end of verse 4. If you're like me, you might kind of ask yourself, you know, why not? Right? And we're going to get to that question, why love and boasting and arrogance can't really work together. Um, not the way that God designs love, not the way that God is love. But we also have to ask this question, like what is boasting and what is arrogance? I think most of us kind of know it when we see it, right? Like it's one of those things that is somewhat self-evident, right? But there is an aspect to arrogance at least that can be a little more hidden, right? It can be a little more subtle, Maybe when the boasting isn't, the arrogance can be, right? For someone to be, uh, to boast, they have to be arrogant, right, in some sense. But you don't always have to be uh, boastful if you're arrogant. So it doesn't always go both ways. Sometimes arrogance is more subtle, right? And so what is boasting? What is arrogance? In this lesson, we're going to look at what they are and why they can't coexist with love. Um, and then how we can overcome them in our life. So what is boasting? What is arrogance? Why they can't coexist with love? And then how we overcome them. So first of all, boasting, just a simple definition of to boast, is to boost oneself 
a self-display. If you go look up the Greek word in 1 Corinthians 13, that's literally what it means, a self-display. Um, to us today, boasting, uh, we might even call it bragging, right? We might use that word more often. But to us, this is what boasting looks like. Showing off, bragging, doing things for attention, promoting yourself, right? Um, I'm going to get more specific. You like to talk about your talents, talk about the things you have, talk about the things you do yourself. We even have a term that we call today humble bragging, right? Where we kind of boast, but in a more sly or subtle way, right? Um, we do that so others build us up and talk about how great we are or the things that we've been able to accomplish, right? Or how good we are at something. Um, more specifically, maybe we like to post on social media um, in ways that are kind of boastful, right? Um, these are going to be silly examples, and you can laugh at them if you want to laugh at them, but hopefully they get you at least thinking about things in your life or things that you see. Um, maybe you use Instagram to post a picture about uh, how great your life is, right? And you're anxiously awaiting everyone's likes so that they know how great your life is, right? Maybe you use uh, Facebook to share that status about how you hope that helped that homeless guy that nobody else was helping, right? Like, oh, he was off in a corner, everybody else was ignoring him, but I helped him, right? Silly example, but we see stuff like that, don't we? Um, that's a form of boasting. Uh, maybe you're talking to your coworker about how unskilled you are at your job and you wait for them to compliment you, Right? Have you ever done that or seen that happen? That's kind of that reverse bragging, right, or that reverse boasting. Really, I do think I'm good at my job, but I want you to tell me that, right? So those are some specific examples maybe of how we see boasting, and how we've experienced bragging even ourselves, right? So we see that God says the kind of love that he has and the kind of love that he wants for us doesn't include that. There's no place for it. So do these things describe you? Does boasting look like James? Or does Paulette look boastful? Or do I, Josh, am I a bragging type of person? Well, what is arrogance, right? So boasting is really surfacy. Like we can kind of like just look at people and how they interact and know if they're boastful or not, right? But arrogance, I feel like, at least to me, when you look at the definition, it says to inflate, to blow up, to cause to swell up. To bear oneself loftily, um, it's used in several places in the Bible. This word specifically is used in 1 Corinthians uh, six times. So 1 Corinthians all about this word. When you go through the book, you're going to see uh, arrogance or to puff up a lot. Um, but for us today, arrogance looks like someone uh, showing off, bragging, doing things for attention, promoting yourself, right? That's how we see arrogance. But when you look at the definition of arrogance, it's really something that starts inwardly, right? Like something doesn't puff up from the outside. It kind of swells up from the inside, right? Like a balloon. That's the kind of image I have, right? And so if you're kind of that way, when you swell up, you start to then show off and you start to then boast and brag, right? So you can see how arrogance might even be viewed as the internal condition and boasting can kind of be the external condition, right? But let's look at these specific examples here. Sometimes uh, we think arrogance is only doing 
external things, but it's an inward thing. Image. If we're arrogant, it's this kind of picture. We're so puffed up. We're so swollen on ourselves, right? Like we just are about me. Like and I'm so full of that. That's it's almost like I'm swelling, I'm swelling, and then I just kind of pop and spew on other people, right? Like my greatness is now all over you, right? And I'm going to talk about me all about me to you. And I'm going to do things that are about me with you, right? I'm so now so full of myself that has to then go somewhere else. That's kind of the image, right? So if I'm arrogant, I'm going to probably, don't have to, but maybe I boast. Maybe I brag. Maybe I show off because me being full of me isn't enough, right? And now it's going to be on you and you. And so that's kind of a weird image maybe, but that's how I've kind of worked to think about this. And um, an example, this is an example of arrogance. You expect favors from other people while never asking for them or returning them. Doesn't that seem arrogant? Like you expect favor? How about this one? When you're a part of a group task at work, you need to be in charge and be the voice of the group. Like you need that, right? It's what you expect. Maybe there's some arrogance there. How about this one? When others don't accept your input or refuse your direction, you are personally offended and or write them off. Maybe that's a sign of some arrogance. Um, and certainly, I want to use all of these very specific examples just to be tools for you to kind of self-diagnose. I mean, um, there are things I think we can see in other people, but primarily I want you to look at yourself and think, Am I doing this stuff? Like, is there any hint or root of arrogance in me? Am I a boastful person? Um, so, so do these qualities about boasting or do these examples about arrogance describe you in any way? I know they do me. <laughs> Hopefully, if I'm honest with myself, I think it's less and less true, but it's still pretty true, right? Um, love does not include these things. And that's why we're talking about them this morning. God's love does not include these things. God does not boast, and he is not arrogant in the same kinds of ways that he is saying here, that love is not characterized by. And so, why can't boasting or arrogance ex coexist with love? So we've looked at kind of what they are, and maybe some examples of like what they look like in life. Um, and so why can't that coexist with love? Why does it, in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't it just say, love can be arrogant, love can be a little bit boastful, right? I want to suggest to you a few reasons. We flip to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, this is my first reason here. I'm just going to suggest simply it's just not the way Jesus did things. Um, when you look at Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read verses 3 through 8, um, try to find some hint of arrogance in this section. Try to find some hint of Jesus' boasting in this section. Beginning in verse 3, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When we look at Jesus' example, and this is just one section of text that does a good job of kind of taking an eternal perspective on what Jesus accomplished, there's really no hint of arrogance. There's really no hint of bragging or boasting on Jesus' part, right? And so if we were just looking at this text, you would pretty quickly conclude, like, the model Jesus left for us does not include that stuff, right? And there's a lot of, like, really specific narratives or stories in Jesus' life that illustrate this, but when you kind of zoom out on a macro level, which is what this text is, it's not found, right? You see things like humility and service, but you don't see anything about boasting or arrogance, right? You find no trace of that in what Jesus did. And it's because of Jesus' love for us that we have this passage, isn't it? Like Jesus left heaven and he left um, perfection and he came down to be not just a man but a servant of men, kind of the lowliest of men. And you can't help but conclude that it's love that motivated this section of text. And in, in this love we don't see arrogance and we don't see boasting. And so it would make sense if we were to just stop here and just say, hey, Jesus' model doesn't show that love has these qualities, right? I think that would be sufficient. Uh, I mean, we see that clearly. But let's look at another one. Turn to Luke chapter 18. Not only is it not the model of Jesus, I think that if we are arrogant and we do boast, that it's going to destroy our ability to love other people, and it's going to destroy our ability to even love God. And I think Luke chapter 18 demonstrates this for us. Let's begin in verse 9. He also, this is Jesus, he also told this parable to some, doesn't this sound arrogant, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Let's just stop there for the time being. You know, Jesus tells this story because there's some arrogant people that are listening, right? And in this story, the Pharisee is praying. And look at what he says here. He stands by himself. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this. And I always am picturing him on like the other side of the room. Even like this guy over there, a tax collector. You know, where was this man's love for that tax collector? You know? We notice at the beginning of the, when Jesus is, or God's revealing to us the reason Jesus shares this parable, it says, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. There's the arrogance, but look at what it did to them, and treated others with contempt. Doesn't arrogance tend to do that? Um, I think this uh, Pharisee here is demonstrating the, out, the natural, really, the natural outworking of arrogance. Because I'm so swollen and high on myself, right? I'm the best. My work's the greatest. 
that other people just aren't going to measure up. You know, they just can't. And because they're not me, we tend to treat them contemptuously, right? Like these guys do. We tend to think their work's not as good. It's not my work. We tend to think they're not as good because they're not me, right? And so we end up like this guy. But it's not just that he didn't love the tax collector, right? Like, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this guy. But he didn't really love God all too much either, did he? Uh, When you look at his, it says, verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Those seem like good things, right? Until you look at the other guy's prayer, right? Look at verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm going to suggest to you that this first guy wasn't actually seeking anything from God. Like, he didn't really have a relationship with God in any meaningful way. He wasn't seeking something greater than himself. In fact, he had found it, and that was himself. Right? Like, he was the greatest. And look at all the stuff I've done. God, I'm just here to let you know about it. Right? And so... His arrogance hindered his love for other people, but it also kept him from loving God. He had everything he needed, right, in himself. So Jesus didn't leave us a model of being arrogant or boastful in the type of love he had. We also see that it can't coexist because love just hinders, or arrogance just hinders love for other people and love for God. But also, uh, look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Just a quick thing here that I think that helps us kind of flesh this out a little bit more. Matthew 23 verse 10 reads, Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest of among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, when we're, when we're allowing arrogance into our lives and it's destroying our love for other people, it's destroying our love for God, it really is showing kind of this lack of understanding or lack of trust in God's promises, and that is that He is the one that needs to be doing the exalting, you know? Um, I think when we're tempted to, to be arrogant, to kind of like swell up on ourselves, it's because we don't really trust the fact that God will actually exalt us. Right? That that's really the exaltation we need, and it's not our own. Um, and I think when we struggle with this, it's showing our faithlessness in that way. I don't really trust you to do that, and or I don't trust that you will do it. Um, and so that's kind of an aside here. So when you find yourself struggling with that, I would suggest that maybe you come back to Matthew 23 and say, Do I really believe this? Like, God will lift me up, and I don't need to do it myself um and the last thing here is it can't coexist with love really fundamentally because they're opposite i mean jesus example kind of lays that groundwork we don't see it in his example which is should suggest to us that they just don't work well together but indeed i think they're opposites if you go to first john chapter four first john chapter four and verse eight 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It reads, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? That's pretty simple. 
So if God is love, and God loves, Philippians 2, selflessly, right? What can we assume about love? Well, that love is selfless by nature because God is love, right? So for me to do anything selfish, like being arrogant, being boastful, tells me that that really is the opposite of love. Sometimes maybe we think hate is, but I think selfishness is the way God defines it. To be selfish is to be unloving. Um, And so we see that too. So love can't coexist with arrogance and boasting because Jesus didn't leave us a model of that. That's a simple reason. But then a little bit deeper, it's because it destroys our love of others and our love of God. Um, And then because really fundamentally they're opposites. Um, They just can't work together. And so finally, we get to the application part of this, you know. This was all about kind of arming yourself with whenever Satan comes around and says, it's really not a big deal to be a little bit boastful, right, in yourself, in your work. It's not really a big deal to, like, take some pride in yourself, right? Um, You can have these reasons why it is a big deal. But most importantly, I think, is the application part that kind of arms us with some stuff that we can do to prevent this, Um, And that is this. Go back to Luke chapter 18 to our parable that we were looking at just a moment ago. Luke chapter 18. Look again in verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And similar idea is what we looked at in Matthew 23. I think one application for us to overcome being boastful and being arrogant is that one way to do that pretty quickly is to just learn to seek forgiveness from God. You know, it's kind of what the other guy failed to do, right? Like, he didn't actually go to God for anything. He thought it was kind of all contained within himself. And that led him to being arrogant and being boastful. The moment that I think I can provide my solutions, spiritual, mental, physical, whatever they be, in myself is the moment that I begin to puff up, right? If I can remember this truth, that I need things from God, like forgiveness... There's other things too, but from this example, like forgiveness, that inherently tells me I shouldn't puff up. I can't even take care of myself, right? Like I need things from someone greater than me. And that prevents me from being arrogant, right? That's one good step in this. Also, I would suggest to you that worshiping and praising God is another way not to be arrogant, not to be boastful. Um, You can just listen with me. I'm going to read a passage from Jeremiah chapter 9. If you want, you can go ahead and be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And just listen as I read two verses from Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. 
when you think of about a passage like this one, um, God's basically saying like, hey, your normal earthly reasons that lead to like being proud, which is really arrogance, which lead to boasting, are not really what it's about, right? In fact, it's kind of like that Luke 18 thing, right? The tax collector asked forgiveness from God, which showed us a fundamental understanding that he needed the Lord. He was seeking something greater than himself. And God here in Jeremiah 9 is saying, you really should be boasting in the things that delight me. Not even you. Like that's inherently anti-arrogance, right, for us. Like if I boast in things that the Lord pleases in, that is the last thing that should make me arrogant, right? Especially when all the things that say make him pleased are things that I need from him, right? According to Jeremiah 9. And 1 Corinthians 1, which is what I asked you to turn to, is really the same idea. Um, it's said a little more succinctly, but in uh, verses 30 and 31, it reads this. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, right? righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in himself, no, but rather boast in the Lord, right? In this passage, Christ is really our boast, you know? Like all the things that we typically might feel tempted to believe come from myself. Like, remember Luke 18, the Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes at all I get. Jesus, before the parable said, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, right? According to this passage, who's making me righteous? Jesus. And so where's my boasting? In Jesus and not in of myself. And so how can we overcome being boastful and arrogant? We seek forgiveness from God, something greater than us. We need things from the Lord, right? We also worship and praise God. Again, that kind of recenters us. It's not of myself that I delight God. It's when I seek Him and I am of Christ. But then lastly, I would suggest to you that passages like Philippians chapter 2 tell us we need to be serving other people. If I do a good job of serving you know, Stephen, and I do a good job of serving Alita, and I do a good job of serving Robin, and I'm diligent in those things, and I focus on that, then that should be fighting the arrogance that I may be tempted to feel. That should be fighting the boasting that I used to maybe do, right? Because I'm serving. We could, of course, turn to Philippians 2, but I would actually ask you to turn to Galatians 5. Philippians 2 is a great text just because we see the service of Jesus, right? He came down to earth from heaven to be a servant. Um, But in Galatians chapter 5, I think this is a helpful idea because it ties kind of 1 Corinthians 13 to this idea of service. And when you look at verse 13, it reads this. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, Christ frees us from a lot of things. And the appeal here is not to let that freedom allow things like arrogance or boasting to rule. Right? But through love... We serve one another. And I would say to you that that really kind of is the last thing 
last tool that I'm going to suggest that helps us fight arrogance, that helps us keep from boasting, is when we learn to serve other people. You know, some people can manipulate service into a reason to boast and to be arrogant. And certainly I'm not suggesting that. I don't think we need to find pride in our service and we don't need to find boasting in how good you serve. But rather through Christ leaving the model for us to serve, through Christ ultimately dying for the ones he served, we can follow that same model and we can serve so that we will not be boastful and arrogant people. And really it says in Galatians chapter 5, Use your freedom uh, to serve through love, right? Going back to 1 Corinthians 13, love does not boast, is not arrogant. And if I'm serving other people, that's a way that I can actually be practicing the kind of love God is trying to develop in me. Because at its best, when we're doing it uh, with an understanding of what God has done for us, and the only boasting we have is in the Lord, then service really is our way to kind of refine and grow the love that we not only have for one another through service, right? But ultimately reminds us that we're doing it for God. And so really, I think service is the key here, and which is really illustrated in worship and praise. Who are we serving? God. And when we look to other people and we serve them, both of those activities are selfless rather than selfish, right? Which is the opposite of love. And so I'd encourage you this morning, um, if you're like me at all, um, you don't do so well with this sometimes. Um, I I hope you're not like me in that. But if you find yourself struggling with being a bragging or boastful person, uh, repent of that. Commit yourself to seeking forgiveness from the Lord and growing in love by service to Him and to other people. If you find yourself guilty of these things and you're not a Christian, you've never like listened to His Word or you've never repented of the things you've done or been baptized to be forgiven for, of your sins, then that's something that I encourage you to consider because to begin that relationship with the Lord where you are forgiven and can continue to be forgiven, you have to do some of that stuff. And so really this time that Stephen has kind of a song picked out for us is for all of us to to encourage each other to do the right thing in our lives, but also to give you time to consider your relationship with the Lord. And if there's something that needs tweaking, some prayers that you need, some instruction that you need, this time is really for you to reach out to the person to your left or to your right or maybe to come forward and ask for prayers, whatever it is you need to do to get kind of on the right path and refocus on the Lord. I'd encourage you to do that while we stand and sing.